0: Northview family, things have changed even since last week. And uh, because of the mandated shutdown, we are in our homes alone by our families or by yourself, and we can't even gather together in a small group. And so there are going to be more things coming that we will have to adjust to. But we just want you to know, continue to be in prayer, follow what the governor said to do, and tune in this morning as we have the message for this week. Thanks. Good morning, Northview, and welcome back to Northview Online. This is our second Sunday of doing church online, and if this is your first Sunday joining us, we're honored to have you. Um, we're growing and learning, so thank you for all the helpful comments we received last week, and um, we just want to set the table. So here at Norview, we have what I call is a lean-in mentality. Under pressure, under stress, which way do you lean? Do you lean towards God, or do you lean away from Him? And we've tried to coach ourselves to lean towards Him. And that's actually going to be illustrated in the message this morning with Peter. But for right now, we just want to invite you to settle in, worship in your uh, living rooms and uh, wherever you are watching us this morning. Uh, We are physically the church scattered. But because of the Holy Spirit, we're the church connected. Different locations, same heart. So even though we can't hear each other singing, just remember the Holy Spirit can gather and take all those voices And send them straight to the throne of Jesus. And it becomes a mighty chorus. So sing with your heart and remember that we're singing to him this morning. Let's open up with prayer and then we'll turn the service over to Esther and the team. Would you join me as I pray this morning? Father in heaven, none of us would have anticipated the circumstances that we're in right now. But Father, we know that we can trust you in good times and in bad. We know that you are the God of the past and the present. And we know this has not caught you by surprise. And so as we think this through this morning, the whole message is going to be about how to operate well under pressure. Lord, Peter didn't do so well, and neither do we most of the time. And so we pray that we could learn from him so that we'd not repeat the same mistakes. And we ask that you would coach us well through this season, that we would make you proud. And we ask that in your name. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Here we are again. Week two. Welcome. No matter where you are, we welcome you. Hopefully, you are comfortable. Hopefully, you're relaxed. Hopefully, you're not feeling at all awkward. You know, if you're feeling awkward singing along, just imagine us. We get to worship and stare at a blinking red light. Hi, Mom. I've always wanted to do that. But no, we are here this morning to worship God who is good, who is faithful. And I love what Steve said about we are scattered, but together we are still united. And I think that's awesome because we are actually reaching a larger region with our praise and with our prayer of the Lord. So let's just fill the region with the Lord's presence. Isaac, lead us.
2: unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all I am a child Child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
1: With these next couple songs, we're just going to join with the angels, join with the elders around the throne of God just praise him for who he is. We're going to sing out hallelujah. We are going to sing holy, holy, holy. So right where you are, right there in your living rooms, we just invite you to sing out with us and just offer God your best praise this morning. of thanks that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge that you are a good God and a faithful God, a God who always follows through on his promises. Help us lean into you through these times, God. May you be our rock. May you be our center. And I cannot wait to see how you work in new and glorious and mysterious ways. We ask that you receive our praises this morning as a sweet incense. We hope that we have blessed you this morning. We give it all to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. And all of you at home this morning say, Amen.
0: If this is your first time joining us, we're in a series on the Gospel of Mark called the Gospel of Immediacy. And today we're going to be looking at two responses under pressure, Jesus's and then Peter's. And we're going to look closely at two issues that we all struggle with, on one level or another, control and anxiety. Let's pray again and ask God to illuminate our hearts as we spend time in His Word. Father, as we come, You know that control is one of the issues that is scattered all through Your Word. It's, it's something we as humans take back from You. It's a failure on our part to trust You deeply. It's a failure to recognize our circumstances and our need for you in them. And Lord, we're in such a time as that right now. And we ask that you would coach us this morning, teach us well, may we respond well. And Lord, we ask for your favor in that in your name. Amen. All right, let's do a little bit of a review because that's always helpful. Uh, A a week can seem like a lifetime sometimes. So last week we saw what was going on inside the high priest's house with the, the rigged and bogus trial that they were pulling off on Jesus. And we noted that Jesus should have been released because the evidence was conflicted and it didn't line up and added to the fact that the very trial they were holding was highly illegal in the first place. The high priest Caiaphas, the main prosecutor, is is a very interesting person at this point. He was the one, if you remember, uh, it was talking about when Lazarus was risen from the dead, He was the one who said to the rest of the high priest that they should, or no, that's wrong. He was the one who said to the rest of the ruling council that one man should die for the nation. Um, Now he pulls another rabbit out of the hat. At this point, their farce of a trial has completely fallen apart. It's just crumbled because the testimonies don't line up. And Jesus should have been set free, but urged on, and I believe again by the Holy Spirit this ungodly man who was who has all the outward trappings of spirituality and none of the heart pulls a question out of his back pocket that probably even surprised him Are you the Christ the son of the blessed one It's the only question Jesus was willing to answer I am And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. And as a result of this confession, he, Jesus, is condemned as a blasphemer, is beaten and mocked, and their initial intent to have him killed is now fully in motion. In the midst of all this, the scene now shifts and we pick up a picture of what was happening outside the courtyard with Peter while Jesus was going through the trial. And it says this, As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. Oops! Cover blown! Peter had probably hoped to be invisible. He had probably hoped to go in unnoticed. It must have been a rather cold night because Mark had informed us just a few verses earlier that they had gathered around a fire to keep themselves warm. Fire provides two things. First, it provides warmth, right, which we've already seen. But the second thing it provides is light. Apparently, there was enough light to make Peter's features visible, much like when you stand around a campfire. And a servant girl comes up to him and declares, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. Notice that this is not a question. It's a statement. Have you ever been caught, especially in front of other people? Caught maybe stealing something. Caught in a lie. Caught being where you weren't supposed to be. Or found out, like Peter is here. The paralyzing threat of being outed in front of a people is a huge fear. The fear factor to that is enormous. We all dread it. Was Peter afraid of this servant girl? No. It was who was with her around the fire that put the fear into Peter's heart. A few verses earlier, we had been informed, and Peter was following him, him being Jesus at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the outcome. These guards were not the guards who had arrested Jesus in the garden, but they were the guards of the high priest's house. In a sense, they were the one and the same, and they all would have been loyal to the high priest's agenda, and thus very dangerous to Peter. And Peter does what most of us would do, when we are suddenly faced with a question that we don't want to answer. He sidesteps the issue and pretends he doesn't understand the question. It says this, But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And then he went out into the gateway and it says the rooster crowed. The way we would say that today is what? Right? Pretending, selective hearing. Peter shook and flummoxed because he had not anticipated anyone, let alone this girl, pressing him for information. He was hoping, as I said, to be invisible. She proves to be pesky and tenacious in this whole episode. You know how when somebody gets, when they suspect that they're onto something, right? And she knows she's onto something. And what does Peter do? It says he withdrew and went into the gateway. He stepped away from the light so that his identification would not be so easy. He stepped away from the light, both literally and figuratively. And how do we know this? Because it says this. And then the rooster crowed. Peter probably didn't even hear it. And if he did, he certainly didn't connect the pieces. He should have stopped right there and began praying. The rooster crowing should have reminded Peter of Jesus' prediction. A few days before, when Peter said he would die with Jesus. And it should have alerted him to the fact that he was in deep trouble. My guess is that his interference levels were off the charts. Why? Because I really believe he expected Jesus to do something to defend himself and overthrow his enemies, much like he had in the previous three years. He expected Jesus to change the environment, to change the circumstances to silence his enemies. And when he didn't, Peter began to experience deep anxiety. How could he be God and allow this to happen? You know, we can look at Peter, but the question comes, what about us? Has God grown old and senile and forgotten how to take care of his people? If he's God, why doesn't he fix it? Is it really possible that we are having that what we're having anxiety over is not God's control, but our own personal loss of control? It didn't take much to tip Peter. How do we know that? Well, the story goes on and it says this. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. I'm sure he was hoping she would just go away. But she persisted. Hey, 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 everybody, guys, this this is one of the guys. He, he was with Jesus in the garden. I, I'm sure it was him. Peter flat out denies it. The word here uh, that's used for deny carries with it a sense of rising intensity, anxiety, if you will. And right now, Peter is fighting to hold his ground and to be able to stay there. It's his word against her word. He is desperately trying To find a way out. The pressure is getting worse because now all the bystanders are getting involved, some who are the guards for the high priest. The net tightens. Then it says this And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. Luke informs us that the time between the second and the third challenge was about an hour. He, Peter, was hoping that he could just be cleared of all the accusations and it would just die down. It would go away and they'd forget about him. But sometimes the darndest things catch us. The smallest things that we forget or overlook or that we ignore. In this case, Peter's mouth got him in trouble again, but not in a way he would have anticipated. By the very act of defending himself, he gives himself away. Aha! Certainly you're one of them because you are a Galilean. These people were cultured city kids, and they knew a country hick when they heard one. The result? Peter imploded and blew up. goes on to say this. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now there's been many attempts to soften or tone this passage down, to tone the words down, but the language simply doesn't allow for that. The first time, Peter denies that he understands the question. The second time, he denies that he was associated with Jesus. The third time, he denies that he even knows Jesus. And he does so with cursing and swearings. And then it says this. And immediately, the roaster... The rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Mark tells us that the rooster crowed a second time. Luke informs us that when it did, Jesus stopped and looked at Peter. Can you imagine the impact of that gaze? And Peter remembered. It says he went out and wept. This should be understood as anguish, sobs, heart rending wailing, devastated soul and emotions. I want to pause here for a moment because I believe this story is very instructive and teaches us something invaluable, especially in the setting of our immediate circumstances in our culture right now. And I want to start by asking this question. Why do you think Peter resorted to cursing and swearing to deflect his detractors. You ever given that some thought? Where did that come from? Now, we could just say, well, he was just reacting very badly. We all do that at times. But I want to suggest it's deeper than that. I believe the clue lies in Peter's background. Peter grew up in Galilee. His occupation was, now if you were all here this morning, you would be able to chime back. Right? We all know the answer. He was a fisherman. Fishermen, like construction workers, are not known for their gentle and soft vocabulary. Have you ever heard the term, he swears like a drunken sailor? Now, I'm not insinuating that Peter was a drunk. But I am guessing that he knew a few blue words or two. And he illustrates a very important principle for us in this morning as we face crisis in our daily lives with the COVID-19 outbreak. And what's the principle? Here's the principle. Under pressure, we tend to go back to what we learned. What do I mean by that? Many of us grew up in families that didn't have the best skills when it came to crisis management. Have you ever noticed that about yourselves? And it shows up, especially when we get married. We really do well until the pressure hits. And then suddenly things come flying out of our mouths or attitudes that shock not only our spouse, but us as well. How does this relate to our message today? Well, under pressure, Peter went back to the language and attitudes that he had before he knew Christ. He had walked with Jesus for three years and had really cleaned his act up just by being in Jesus' presence. But under pressure, being separated from Jesus, suddenly not tied in the small group anymore, he cracked. Under fear, he broke. And his old habits reared their ugly head. Now before we get too hard on Peter, let me illustrate by using us. Think this through with me, would you? Where did we, where did you learn crisis from? Again, obviously, you're not here to respond, unfortunately. But I would assume that sitting where you are this morning, instantly the thought would come into your mind, my parents. And the question then would be, well, who do you think they learned crisis from? The answer would be, well, obviously, their parents, your grandparents, and so on and so forth down the line. In other words, most of us have some very dysfunctional responses to stress and crisis Because of what has been handed down to us. There is, if you will, a generational train coming down the tracks. Most of us, again, do pretty well most of the time. We know how to act well. We know how to say the right things. We know not to act stupid in front of other people. Especially if we've come to know the Lord and the Holy Spirit's helping us. Some of us it takes longer than others, right? Okay, guilty. But, but we do get better. But pressure, pressure can crack us. And we, like Peter, can fall back into old patterns. And here's the point. They weren't good for Peter. This is his ultimate meltdown. If it weren't for the incredible grace of Jesus towards and for Peter, he probably wouldn't have even survived this whole episode. Gratefully and graciously, Jesus Jesus had him covered. What did he say? I will see you in Galilee. He knew. But what about us? In all honesty, would any of you have been able to predict 3 months ago that we would be where we are today? As we were coming through Christmas and we celebrating Christmas and singing Christmas songs together and sure, would any of you have anticipated that we would not have Good Friday, that there wouldn't be an Easter, that we can't even be in church together. Peter never saw the pressure coming. It blindsided him. And so that's true for us as well, presently also. We've been blindsided by the quickness and the force of this infant station, which has literally changed the map of reality as we know it. And the idols of the land have fallen. Sports have crashed. The Olympics just got set for a year, delayed for a year, um, for next year. Uh, Wealth, many have lost 35% or more of their portfolios. um, What they had been literally quote unquote banking on. Health, our medical facilities are not able to keep up with the crisis and uh, aren't going to be able to save us. And God had spoken about that many times. Just taking one of the quotes found in the Old Testament, this is found in Zechariah 13, 2, it says, On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. But there's one more idol that is getting tested and toppled. What idol am I talking about? I'm talking about the idol of control the one you and I all struggle with. I've stated many times from this pulpit that our drug of choice in America is control. Interesting enough, what do you think Peter's battle was? Would it surprise you if I said control? And how much anxiety is there in our culture right now, this minute, because we're feeling out of control? We've fooled and we've lied to ourselves thinking we actually were in control when the truth is only God is in control. And I've said many times, we make great uses, we make lousy Jesus's. And that's getting cracked wide open. And how we respond under pressure will tell us who we're trusting. Are we trusting ourselves or are we trusting God? The question could be framed in another way, even more specific to the message this morning, and that's this. Will we react like Jesus in this crisis, or will we react like Peter? Galatians 5 instructs us, And so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. This, by the way, if you have your Bibles, this is an NIV instead of ESV because I like the wording better, all right? But the question here is which law will govern As It says the flesh is against the Spirit or contrary. They're opposed to each other and the Spirit against the flesh so that they are in opposition. In other words, you can't operate in both. They don't work together. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. And so it's saying that there's a conflict going on, and so therefore we can't do what we want. It means we can't just let it fly. We have to decide whose control we're going to be under, the spirit or the flesh. Which law will govern us? We'll talk more about this as we go on, but... The question is, is, it the law of the Spirit, how Jesus responded, or the law of the flesh, how Peter responded? I'm going to let us hang on that. We're going to close with that this morning. And we're going to, we have some questions that we're going to go into and we're going to let you answer. But first, we're going to close in prayer and then bring the band back and let them lead us in worship. But would you join me in prayer as we close this morning? Father in heaven, This is one close to the heart. It's close to our control center. It's what we struggle with. It's what we wrestle with. Father, we know we have a problem with this idol of control. Lord, we saw it in Peter. If you had to take it back, I think it goes all the way back to when they were arguing about who would be greatest. And Father, often we are arguing with you and each other who is the greatest. And we fail, we miss, we... We don't see the crossroads where we're supposed to pick up on your signal and often we end up acting out in the flesh in fear and anxiety instead of in the fruit of your spirit. Lord, I think that's a message you've built into us a lot and many times and I think you can have great runway with that this morning in us talking through the questions and so we seek you this morning that you would anchor that well for us, that we would actually be better under pressure instead of worse. Help us, Lord, and we seek you for that in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Steve. So we may revert back to our old habits sometimes, but thank God that he is ever faithful, ever consistent, our rock, our cornerstone. So we're going to go out this morning singing just how faithful God is. So we invite you to join us as we sing Goodness of God. We've sung this a few times, so you might know it by now. And if you don't want to sing it, just let it wash over you and bring something before the Lord that you are so grateful for. And let's just bless him for his faithfulness as we go out this morning. morning we proclaim you as faithful we thank you so much for a beautiful opportunity even now to join together in worship of you lord we love you so very much we thank you for this time in jesus name amen
0: we ended the message uh, by asking the question which law will govern us the law of the spirit how jesus responded or the law of the flesh how peter responded i have some questions this morning that will help us wrestle with that and think that through so Let's go through the questions together. Question number one, have you ever been caught like Peter? How did you respond when that happened? Question number two, in your opinion, where did the significant break with Peter begin? When you think about him suddenly being distanced from Jesus, where do you think that actually began? Number three, if you could rewrite the script for Peter, if you could change the story and rewrite it the way it should have gone, how would you do it? How would you change the story? Number four, under pressure, do you tend to operate in the spirit or the flesh? And then number five, how do you need to rewrite the script for yourself in the wake of the crisis that we're going through right now? How do you need to rethink through how you're responding under pressure to respond in the spirit instead of in the flesh. How would you do that? We also have some prayer points. And by the way, all of this is available on our Facebook site. All of this is available on our website. All of this is available on our YouTube site. And there are links that you can find that you can hook up. And if all else fails, call us. We will, well, don't call me. Call Shannon, right? But he will help you Get the links and get them tied up. I will help you with nothing. So call Shannon. But here's the prayer points for this morning. Number one, let's pray for God to stop the coronavirus. Right? It's not beyond his power or ability to do that. Number two, let's pray that God gives our leaders wisdom to know what to do in a time such as this. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in a governor's shoes or the president's shoes or a senator's shoes or a congressman's shoes this is unprecedented. Number 3. Let's pray for our friends and family that don't know Jesus that right now are wondering what in the world's going on in the world. Let's pray that God woos them that that they remember things that they call people that they're suddenly asking questions. Number 4, let's pray that we exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our homes in these me- as these measures continue, right? We're going to be with each other for a while, and we are all we got. So let's pray that we exhibit the Holy Spirit well in our homes. And then number five, let's pray for us as the church to exhibit contentment, faith, optimism, steadfastness, and last of all, joy in the midst of the trial. If you don't like that list, we could add patience to it, right? Let's add that in there. All right, go ahead, answer the questions. Pray the prayers. We'll see you next week.